0: Heyo! What's up, everyone? Robbie Jeffries, alongside Tom Corson, bringing you episode three of the TFA Dino Show. We had a brief hiatus where Tom was recovering from a lack of voice. He couldn't argue with me, and so he couldn't do the show. But he's back. He's healthy. He's got the back strap on. He's ready to roll. Tom, how you feeling?
1: Uh, you know, I, I, my voice is still a little bit uh, fugazy, if you will. It sounds fugazi. fake but yeah, you know. But at the same time, I don't have the COVID. I got tested, so we're all good there. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, I, I couldn't record. I, you know, I was thinking about just like. Bringing up signs and telling you like "go screw yourself" or "you're wrong" or <laughs> something like that, but people couldn't see yet because we're not doing a, a live YouTube show yet, so it wouldn't really have made sense. But it
0: would, you know, it wouldn't have been fair. It wouldn't have been fair at all. Just me slandering Eagles left and right, and you just, you know, holding yeah. up signs that says "please stop."
1: Well, I mean, Please. it's not like it's not like you listen to me anyway, so I never. Mean, it would have basically been the same thing.
0: Exactly. So, everyone, we are talking bus tonight. We are excited to get into them because everyone loves a great sleeper episode. They love the Dynasty Darlings. But when you go bus, when you start hitting on people that other players like, that that's when you get a little bit of haters ball, and that kind of stirs up some controversy. So we're going all in, the infamous play-a-hater ball, and we're going to be the Saltons of Slam, the Deacons of Disrespect, and I'm <laughs> pumped up. Tom, are you ready to sling some heat?
1: I'm ready to go with the hate, 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 hate.
0: All right. I love it. I love it. Um, we're going to start off just quickly with some news. Um, we haven't recorded in a while, and there's been some relevant news that came out uh, a couple weeks ago. and We just want to make sure from a dynasty perspective that we hit on this. Um, the, the the big news uh, from a couple weeks ago was George Kittle getting a record-breaking five-year, $75 million deal, and then Travis Kelsey coming up right behind him and sealing his thunder and saying, yeah, I'm going to get my own extension from the Chiefs. So they're going to keep him signed through the twenty twenty five season. Uh, Tom, just between those two, they're they're more uh, solidified. If they ever needed more solidification in their dynasty uh, one and two rankings, Kittle's been above Kelsey for me. Is that the same with you? How do you how do you view those two now um, with these new contracts?
1: Yeah, right now I still have Kittle uh, slightly above Kelsey, but at the same time. Kelsey's been the tight end one, I believe, for the last four straight years. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Kelsey's a stud. You can't really go wrong with either one of them, but uh, I'll take Kittle just because he's a little bit younger in Dynasty. In redraft, I'd probably take Kelsey. Um, But, you know, we're talking Dynasty, so I go Kittle. The other interesting thing is the Eagles and Zach Ertz. Started talking about an extension as well. So, once the tight end domino started falling with Kittle and then Kelsey, you have these all the studs getting their deals. Um, and the Ertz one is especially impactful to Dallas Goddard, uh, because if Ertz gets that extension, Goddard's contract is up in 2021, and I'm not sure. Uh, you know, he's not going to have a path to be a tight end one for a couple of years. So if he's a free agent, he's going to get paid somewhere else. I'm not sure if the Eagles let him go, but um, that has uh, some big dynasty ramifications if Zach Ertz gets that extension soon.
0: Yeah, honestly, a lot of people I think were thinking Ertz was going to move on and, and Goddard's going to fill that role. Eagles are finally going to let him fly. I think a lot of dynasty players who have Goddard on their squads were hoping for that. Um just kind of wrapping up these, the top two tight ends is Andrews or Ertz t- still in their realm at all, or are they still quite a, a bit away ways from um, Kelsey and Kittle?
1: Uh, Andrews, because of his youth is, is a little bit closer. And then he's also attached to Lamar who absolutely loves them. Um, honestly, it's still, it's a tear break. So it's, it's still Kittle, Kelsey, and then tear break. And then Andrews Ertz uh, for me.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping this year we see some of those younger tight ends that we've been waiting on maybe for a year or two years kind of start to shine with Gusecki, maybe Fant breaks out, maybe uh, Hawkinson kind of takes that next step. So I think we'll have a couple other tight ends maybe in this top five discussion um, a year from now.
1: Yeah, and we, we really have to just hope that some tight ends that have had injury issues can actually stay healthy. You know, Evan Ingram, if he can stay healthy, then that's going to be fantastic Um, just because he's a really good player. Um, He's been heartbreaking for a lot of fantasy owners because he's, he can't stay on the field.
0: Yep. And and keep him with that tight end news. Will Disley, you know, he, he's a guy that he's kind of like the Will Fuller of the the tight end, right? Whenever he's been in the lineup, he's just performed um, at a really good rate with Russell Wilson. Um, He's now, ready for week one. They say Greg Olson is still there in the mix at tight end, but just curious where you're moving Disley in your rankings uh, dynasty wise, because he's been a guy that, you know, a lot of people have been excited about, but just can't stay healthy. He appears to be healthy. You know, is he a guy that's that's jumping in the teens for you? Is he still kind of in the 20 range? Where is uh, Disley at for you? Uh,
1: he's still in the 20 range right now until I can actually see him on the field. Um, but I like Will Disley a lot. And come week one after we, cause we don't have preseason to judge things. I, I think this is going to be more of an interesting week one because a lot of rankings for people are going to wind up shifting after week one, as opposed to waiting, you know, a couple weeks just because you get to see people and we're not going to have that opportunity because, you know, will Disley may be practicing, but if he's moving like Jimmy Graham did last year, then you're not going to touch him.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, hoping that he uh, you know keeps that health as we enter the 2020 season, kind of flipping the coin now, players that are not expected to be healthy for week one. The two big names I have at least in front of me are Sony Michelle and now Mike Williams of the of the Chargers. So just starting with Sony, you know he had foot surgery in May. you know he had a rough uh, 2019, only 3.7 yards per carry. Um, he did have seven touchdowns, which is kind of his saving grace, if you will, to kind of keep him in that flex low end wide receiver two realm. He had a much better 2018, you know, four and a half yards per carry, you know, what's, what's your thoughts, I guess, with Sony here because he's just getting pushed farther and farther down at least redraft boards. And I think even dynasty uh, draft boards as well. Uh, You know, we have Damien Harris kind of rising up them uh, on the opposite side there. Just he's down there in the Jordan Howard, Marlon Mack range. What are your thoughts on Sony?
1: He's just been so disappointing Um, going to that offense, when they actually took him in the first round, you thought they were going to be, you know, you thought they were going to use him correctly and he was going to be a bell cow. And you know, that that's over Nick Chubb and some of those other running backs in that class that were just monsters. Um, and now you have Damon Harris coming out and it looks like he's making the best of you know his opportunity. And if Cam is the starter, or they're doing a platoon or whatever the hell they're going to do there. Um, then they're going to wind up running the ball. Uh, So if Damian Harris gets that opportunity, I like Damian Harris quite a bit when he was coming out of college, and then all of a sudden, who knows what happened to him last year. Um, He went back for his senior season, and his stock just kind of dropped off the map. So he didn't forget how to play football. Um, So I'm dropping Sony down a bit just because I think Damian Harris uh, grabs a hold of those reins, and I don't know if he gives it up.
0: Yeah, Sony was was my running back three in that class um, when they came out. And so I've always kind of, you know, kept on believing, you know, it was a a rougher year last year. But I was like, you know what, I believe in the talent. He was a stud at Georgia. If you looked at him and Chubb, Chubb was more the pure runner. But Sony was kind of the can do it all back. And honestly, I I like that a bit more. And so, you know, I'm hoping he gets back healthy. And I do think of of the talents, he is the best talent, even though he maybe didn't show that last year. So I'm I'm kind of on a hold pattern right now, but honestly, we're getting close to the edge where, um, you know, if he falters or continues to have these injuries, because if you remember right in the during the draft process, there was a report that came out that he had bone on bone in yeah. his knee, and so you know, just all of that kind of culminating, it kind of gives you like those Todd Gurley vibes. You're like, there's enough risk where kind of want to stay away, um, but if you're already invested, I think it's best to just kind of hold on to him.
1: Yeah. And that, that was like, I think a week or two before the draft came out. And you didn't know if that was misinformation trying to get him the fall or, or whatever it was. But uh, the other thing is uh, the Patriots, they don't really use him the way that he should be used. At Georgia, right. he was a very good receiving back and they refuse to throw him the ball. Like Sony catches a ball and people in the fantasy world just like cheer, um, right. which is ridiculous. So, I mean, he could go to another team after his rookie contracts up and, and be perfectly fine and be a very good back. But I don't know if it's going to wind up happening for him in new England.
0: Yep. And then the other player that, you know, you just had a report that he's going to miss two to four weeks um, with a, a, shoulder labrum tear uh, is Mike Williams of the chargers. And I think this one's kind of relevant because after you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, it's, it's kind of a, a unknown in that Chargers wide receiver core. I mean, we have guys, the rookies, Joe Reed, K.J. Hill. Then they have some veterans returning, Jason Moore, um, Guyton, you know, just just some of these names that, you know, I don't even know some of the first names, and I'm someone who follows Dynasty quite a bit. So these are guys that I think are worth looking into if Mike Williams isn't going to be ready to go for week one. Any of those guys stand out for you?
1: No, not really. I think uh, the biggest beneficiary is probably Hunter Henry. Uh, because Mike Williams does a lot of his good work in, in the red zone. So if Hunter Henry can stay healthy, he's going to get more of that work. Um, Austin Eckler, obviously, but as far as t- somebody taking on that big wide receiver role, I don't know if anybody's going to wind up doing uh, that for, you know, the chargers. And the other thing is, I don't know what that offense is going to look what, look like with Tyrod. So uh, you might be running the ball a lot more often, Um Justin Herbert's probably not going to start by, you know, all accounts of everybody uh, until later on in the season. So um, I I don't know what they're going to look like at at the wide receiver position. I'm not buying any of those guys though, but I think Hunter Henry is probably the biggest beneficiary.
0: Yes. As a hard knocks viewer myself, I am happy to report that I believe Tyrod will be starting week one. I've always kind of had a soft spot for him. I think this only hurts his chances as a deep pass thrower, um, with Mike Williams being potentially out for maybe at least the first week, maybe even farther into the, the start of the season. So not great. But for the Austin Eckler shares, Keenan Allen shares, Keenan Allen's my guy, um, you know, kind of love that for those teams. Uh, any other guys that you think you want to touch on? There's been a lot of hamstring injuries, but I don't think they're too, you know, uh, sustained at this point. Uh, any other guys you want to touch on?
1: Yeah, no, we had some uh, some panic attacks uh, with Kenyon Drake in a walking boot, but uh, mm, yes. he says he says he's good to go. Um, they're saying it's precautionary. I don't know how you know he was in a boot last year. This time, I don't know how you just wear a boot as far as having what do you say bumps and bruises or it's tradition. Or, it's tradition at like this that. point. <laughs> yeah, whatever. As as long as he gets on the field week one, it doesn't really matter. Um, and then the other one, the. <laughs> fantasy world absolutely lost their shit for like 15, 20 minutes when miles Sanders left the field and he tweeted something cryptic, uh, but it wasn't anything to do with uh, football and he's, he's good to go. He'll be ready week one. Um, but with that, uh, with the Eagles Boston Scott hasn't been practicing and Corey Clement has actually been taking the, uh, the reins and has looked really good. Um, his footwork looks a lot better than it did. Um, he needs to stay healthy. If he if he stays healthy, he can carve out a, a decent role, possibly.
0: Yeah, bring the dynasty full circle here with the Corey Clement rebirth here for a little bit anyways. I don't know if he's a guy that will, you know, make it to week one if Sanders comes back, Scott comes back. I don't think either their um, little ailments are that serious. So, you know, mm-hmm. love him getting the hype. Had him on some rosters, dropped him on some rosters. So maybe I'm just like mad that I've dropped him and I don't want him to be relevant anymore. But um yeah, I think Miles will be the main back there. And then obviously Boston Scott cleaning up in the pass game.
1: Yeah. I think that's about it as far as the uh the news goes. Do you want to roll right into your first bust, Robbie?
0: Would I ever I am so pumped for this because when you, like I said at the beginning, when you when you toss up these busts, there's always somebody. If it's the the player or a fan of the the team that this player plays for, they get a little, little feisty with you. So I'm excited to kind of sling that heat. And my first bust for the 2020 season is one Baker Mayfield, who, as you recall, was kind of a bust in 2019. Um, he was QB 19 last year after just being hyped up. You know, number one pick had a really good rookie season once he came in. Tyrod, Um and now he's going as QB 16 and ADP and I just think with that offense changing with Kevin Stefanski it is just going to be a whole new world for him which is probably an improvement from Freddie Kitchens but also they're just going to run they're going to run first down second down third down they might even go for it on fourth down by running it to Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt and I honestly don't think that they're just going to have the passing offense to get Baker's fantasy numbers to where they need to be um, last year, he passed under 60%. Uh, he completed under 60% of his passes. He threw 21 interceptions, you know, and then Stefanski comes into town. With the Vikings, Stefanski, uh, their, their offense was third worst in passing attempts. It was nine, ninth worst in passing yardage. So, I mean, this this offense is just going to be very run heavy. I do think Baker lowers those INTs. I think he improves on that completion percentage, but I just don't think the volume will get him up into a top 20 Uh, QB for me I have him at QB 21 Um, you know I do think he can jump maybe ahead of you know Kirk Cousins and Garoppolo who I have projected above but I think the ceiling's probably higher for Baker so projection say quarterback 21 rankings I'll probably have him at QB 19 but I just think he's going to be going behind um, that QB 15 QB 16 ADP uh, for me what are your thoughts uh, on Baker
1: yeah um, this time last year well when they acquired Odell he shot up to the QB four. So, I mean, last year, this time he was QB four. Yeah. And now he's all the way down at 16, I believe he said. Um, mm-hmm. So that's just, that's a big fall. Um, I, I can see him not producing. We don't know what's going to happen with Odell and Jarvis and, and Njoku and Hooper. I'm not a big fan of that offense at all this year, to tell you the truth, except for the running game. Yep. Yeah. Um, you have Kareem Hunt there, and and Nick Chubb, who had a concussion, but should be back, um, in time. He's already back in meetings and everything like that. But I just I don't know. It's going to be run centric. It's exactly like you said. I, I can't really disagree with, <laughs> with with very uh, you know, with a lot.
0: Yep. So let me hear your bust at the QB position.
1: All right. So I'm actually going to go with uh, somebody who I. it's not his fault. I feel bad for him. It's Deshaun Watson. Um, Yeah. He's, he's the QB four right now. And I I mentioned Baker last year as the QB four. It's just something about that spot. Um, But it's not his fault. It's his receiver's fault. Um, You know, Brandon cooks is brought in after they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. He's one headshot away from just being done forever. Uh, Used to be able to actually count on Brandon cooks and, you know, but after he had two concussions and, a four week span last year, you don't know what, you know, he's doing. Yep. Yep. Um, Will Fuller, uh, he's played 14 games, 10 games, seven games, and 11 games. Uh, between Fuller and Cooks, how many games are they actually going to play together? Because Fuller's a monster whenever he plays, but is he healthy? All, right. all accounts say he's been working on his lower body strength, but is he healthy? Can you trust anybody on that offense over there? I, I don't really know if I can. Can you?
0: You know, not really. And I think Kevin Steele uh, with the TFA as well. I think he says it best when he says they're the walking rehab unit, honestly, that yeah. wide receiver core. Because you yeah. go even further down, Randall Cobb, his days in Green Bay, he was always injured, was able to stay healthy his one year with the Cowboys. Uh, but then Kenny Stills, uh, you know, rounding out that list, you know, maybe not as, as big of an injury risk there, but just. You know, the entire receiving core is just a walk rehab unit.
1: And then you're looking at, at the running back position as well with, with David Johnson, and that's another one.
0: Clean I, bill of health there, right?
1: You know what I mean? I, so I had to live through Carson Wentz last year where all of his receivers wound up getting hurt, and it, it turned into just ugly dink and dunk. and
0: I, but, I, <laughs> but it paved the way for Greg Ward, baby.
1: Listen, it did, but at the same time, yuck. <laughs> so I mean I really like Deshaun Watson but as QB four to QB six like right in that range I, I can't I can't pay a price for him I, I would much rather wait on a QB as opposed to paying for him there
0: yeah jumping into my next guy this is the one that if you ask me I need one bust from you that you will put you know your reputation behind this is the guy and it's Melvin Gordon uh, going to the Broncos I just absolutely think this is going to be a train wreck for anybody who has Melvin Gordon on their rosters this season. And honestly, I don't even know where to start. You, could, you can start in so many places with this, but we'll start with his, his history. He, he's a guy that's only gotten over four yards per carry once in his five seasons. So he's just not an efficient runner, honestly. I know the Chargers offensive line has kind of been hit or miss, but you know if Eckler's got it, um, we've, we've seen other running backs. You know Justin Jackson has, had some success there. You know, Melvin Gordon has has literally just gotten his stuff from his receiving game and then just the amount of carries that he gets. So I just don't think he's very efficient. He's been bottom half in his yards before contact and yards after contact. So you can't even blame offensive line there. And that was out of rushers with at least 100 carries in a season. Uh, Looking past that, they they obviously have said, the Broncos front office has said they want to make this a passing offense. They drafted uh, Jerry Judy. They drafted K.J. Hamler. They drafted – Albert O. They're saying that they want to pass the ball uh, and pass it down the field, um, and then don't forget there's still this guy named Philip Lindsay, just this undrafted rookie who outplayed Royce Freeman, a third round draft pick, and then outplayed him a second season when everyone said no, 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 Royce, you know he's got his rookie year, he's going to kind of take over the second year, their sophomore year. Nope, undrafted rookie free agent, Philip Lindsay just just keeps on getting it done. So I understand Melvin Gordon has the first round pedigree, but that's five years ago and I do not think he's going to get the volume to warrant a running back 18 uh, draft price that you have to get him at right now. Looking at at the Broncos' offensive line on top of that, they lost Connor McGovern at center. He was PFF's ninth-graded center last year. They lost their first-round pick, uh, Juwan James, at right tackle as a COVID opt-out, and they lost Ronald Leary at right guard. So they have three new starting offensive linemen. It's going to take time for them to come together. Um, you know, I've seen them down in the thirties, even 32nd, if you look at projecting, uh, offensive lines and their cohesion, so they're going to struggle a little bit there. And I think that's just going to mean that they're going to need to pass more. So yeah, if you, if you look at just all of those things in combination, I have Gordon down at running back 27, which is probably much lower than consensus and much lower than even people who maybe don't like Melvin Gordon's outlook this year, but yeah. Just, I'm not looking to draft him until at least the late fifth round and redraft. And and for dynasty, just off my board because he's got two years in in Denver with Philip Lindsay and and whoever else. And it's it's just, I just don't see a good outlook here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I own zero Melvin Gordon, and this you know is pretty annoying that we're agreeing with e- with each other so much uh, here with our busts. But uh, yeah, no, Melvin, not a big fan this year. Mainly again, the line and Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay runs like Thomas Rawls wanted to when he was actually healthy. Like oh, his, huh. ha- his yeah. hair is on, on fire when mm-hmm. he's running the ball. And the thing with Philip Lindsay is he seems to put all of his touchdowns in 10 yards and out. So Melvin Gordon was actually very good inside the red zone. And, you know, when they were inside the five or whatever, he, he just had a nose for the end zone when he was with the Chargers, especially, I believe, year two year two and three, but I don't know if he's going to get that many opportunities. And again, when you have those wide receivers, you know, I mean, Fant, Sutton, Judy in that red zone, they're going to be perfectly fine. I don't know if they're going to have to run. That's why drew lock was, you know, my bold prediction to be a monster this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then just going to repeat myself. Cause literally this is the bust candidate for me at three Oh four. Third early third round, you want Melvin Gordon to be for some teams a running back one, or even for the rest of them running back two. I just I just can't do that. I mean that yes. is two rounds too early. Hard
1: pass. Uh, well, speaking of early, my bust is someone I actually mentioned earlier in the show, Nick Chubb. Uh, so, Nick Chubb uh, is currently the RB nine, and I talked about him getting a lot of volume, so to speak, or the running game getting a lot of volume Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, passing with Baker. I don't know what that split's going to look like. That could be a 50-50 split. And where Kareem Hunt is really going to cut in Nick Chubb is, is going to be the passing game. So in order to be a top 10 running back, you have to contribute um, receiving. If you don't contribute receiving, you turn into basically Michael Turner um, where he's going to have 1,400 yards rushing and touchdowns. But if he doesn't have 40 catches and 400 yards, then that's that's a lot of points he's going to um, wind up losing. So I'll take him as, a, as an RB2, but at, at RB8, I can't trust him to to actually be that RB1, especially for his price because he's going in the early second round. And I would rather take somebody who's, a lot safer with higher upside. I'd rather take a wide receiver as opposed to Nick Chubb there. Give me Julio. Give me Tyreek. Yeah. I I mean, Nick Chubb scares me just because of Hunt. And then he comes out. He had had the concussion, which he should be fine. But that coaching staff gets another opportunity to look at Hunt by himself and scheme for him.
0: No, I'm right there with you. Um, And it's mainly just because we're talking to PPR format and, and Chubb just isn't going to get that receiving work. You know, we've looked his not historically, but the last couple of years, I should say. And if you're a top five running back, you have at least, you know, 40 plus catches. If you're a top 10 running back, most of the time, albeit there's the Derrick Henry's every once in a while, you're going to have at least, you know, 25 to 30, but then you have Nick Chubb, you know, who's just down there in the 20, maybe getting close to 25 um, because you said it, Kareem Hunt is getting all that. And even further, OBJ is, is number one. You know, Jarvis Landry is number one B there. And so there's just not a lot of excess to go to Chubb to kind of bring him up in the ranks for me. I've met running back 15 myself, so I'm definitely there with you.
1: All right, so I'm actually going to start with the uh, the wide receiver because I, I feel like this is going to shock some people. Mike Evans is going to be my bust, okay? And he is the wide receiver eight coming off the board But the magic number for Mike Evans is 53. Do you know why the magic number is 53, Robbie?
0: Absolutely not, but I can't wait for you to tell me.
1: All right. It's two things. It's a two-parter.
0: Oh, that's cheating. Two parts? I wasn't ready for two parts.
1: All right. Well, you weren't ready for one part, so it doesn't even matter. True. All right. So Mike Evans scored 53% of his points last year in three games. Dear Barbara. Against the Giants, the Titans, and the Seahawks. And the Giants and the Seahawks had some issues in the secondary there. Um, also, another 53%. In 53% of his games last year, he scored 13 points or less.
0: Tom, I am not a mathematician, but that sounds slightly over half of his games. It is.
1: You're a matheologist. Yes. Good for you. Um, so at that price with the wide receiver eight and he's going, you know, late second, I'm not paying it. I I would much rather have somebody who's a little bit safer. And Chris Godwin has, uh, rightfully leapfrogged him. Um, and the other thing with Chris Godwin is in 11 personnel, he is working out of the slot and we know Tom Brady does his best work throwing to his slot receivers. Um, Mike Evans is going to have his big weeks, but again, we don't know how many, um, But I I just, I want a more dependable wide receiver. And he also missed time last year, but he's been relatively healthy throughout his career. So I'm not going to ding him that much for that. But as far as that offense, they have plenty of weapons. And, you know, when's the last time Brady had a a stud outside wide receiver?
0: No, absolutely. I think that's the big dynamic that I'm curious about. You know, Jameis Winston is just almost the, exact opposite of what tom brady is and i wonder how that dynamic plays into that offense for better and for worse just if we're talking mike evans you know tom brady as as you pointed out more recently has utilized that chris godwin type of role but then again he hasn't had that great outside receiver since uh randy moss you know i mean anyone else that i'm missing i mean they they just have always had that inside with with welker edelman and, and that's kind of been his go-to. So, I think I think he can keep Mike e- Evans is a really good, and, and Mike Evans in his own right will will make anybody, uh, you know, look good at quarterback. But I think just if we're talking about that, you know, early second round draft price, that's where it gets a little bit shaky for me. So, I definitely uh, can see that that concern. I'm really interested to see how that Tampa Bay offense really comes out in, in Week One.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Who you got busting it up at wide receiver, Robbie?
0: Another guy who changed teams, a lot of mine are, are people who have changed teams because I think whenever you change teams, there's a whole new dynamic and, and it's hard to gauge. And that's how you can get these undervalued and overvalued guys. And I think I found another one that's going to be overvalued here in 2020, and that is Stefan Diggs. Now, I love the talent, mm. kind of like what you just said. Love the talent, just hate, hate hate his landing spot, right? You know, Buffalo completed the fourth least amount of passes last year. With 299, they didn't even complete 300 passes. Only four teams didn't do that. Um, Diggs obviously is, is a step up from Smokey Brown and from Cole Beasley. He's going to be the number one there, but those guys still can ball like they're still going to get targets. It's not going to be a DeAndre Hopkins situation where he's getting 150 targets and these other guys are getting, you know, 70. Now, I think it's going to be much closer where we have Diggs maybe at the 115 ish mark and they have John Brown. You know, 80s, maybe even 90s, and then Beasley's still going to be there getting, you know, around 70 or so. That's that's kind of just rough projections there, but they're not going away. So I don't think we can expect Diggs to have a, a massive market share. So then he has to be super efficient with the targets he does get. That's kind of a problem for Josh Allen. Yeah, actually a big problem for Josh mm-hmm. Allen's efficiency. And as much as I love Josh Allen, the fantasy option, Josh Allen for deep threat, Stefan Diggs as Diggs showed out last year with 17.9 yards per reception, that's that's just going to be a big problem. Um, just kind of digging into the stats here, Kirk Cousins ranked 15th in deep ball passing by a PFF. He completed 39% of those throws. Josh Allen, on the other hand, ranked 32nd out of 33 quarterbacks who qualified for that. Not good, Tom. Uh, no.
1: Not great. Not great, Bob. Uh, yeah, Josh Allen with his, you know, Short and intermediate accuracy as well. Accuracy? No, accuracy. Uh, Not that good. And it's all timing with him. And Diggs runs really good slants, gets open deep. I don't know how that's going to match up. But it was a good pickup for Buffalo. I don't know, like fantasy-wise, though. Right. I don't don't own Diggs anywhere either.
0: Yeah. So Allen's only completing 24% of his deep throws that's that's a 15% drop off diggs's 68% catch rate is, is that is going to regress for oh sure yeah. we we know that's going to regress so now he's not going to be a huge target guy and his completion percentage is going to regress and he's going as wide receiver 17 in ADP and that's just can't do it can't pass cannot do that i have diggs all the way down at wide receiver 30 again probably lower consensus that's why he's my bust that makes sense right oh um, yeah, yeah. As as family, fantasy analysts, we just have to rethink what we're doing with Stephon Diggs because volume's not there and efficiency's not there, and that just means he's he's not going to be a, a high end middle wide receiver too unless the rest of the league just gets massive injuries.
1: Oh yeah, no, I I would take Michael Gallup over Stephon Diggs.
0: That's an Eagles fan saying that, ladies I and know.
1: gentlemen. Would you?
0: Yes, I have Gallup, I think, right on the edge of wide receiver two. I think he's my wide receiver 24 or 25, so he's right on that cusp.
1: There you go. I did it. I, I said something nice about a Cowboy. I did it. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, you want me to finish uh, or go first here? Sure. Why not? Okay, okay. rounding out uh, the positions uh, where we'll hit tight ends here, I have Jared Cook as my final bust for the evening. If you think of touchdown regression for 2020, from the 2019 to the 2020 season, there's three names. There's Aaron Jones, his rushing touchdowns, obviously going to regress. There's Mark Ingram, who scored five receiving touchdowns on 25 receptions. Yes. An absolute ano- uh, well, anomaly. Wow. Anomaly. 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 There you go. Words. Yes. Anomaly. Absolutely. And then Jared Cook, who had nine on 43 receptions. So a little bit better, but still a, just absolute regression coming. And so that's, that was one of the highest rates in the league. Um, that beat his previous high of six touchdowns on 68 receptions that he had the year previous in 2018. So just just nothing else happening going to regress in the touchdowns, right? Six-ish might be, if he gets a 60 reception, six just might be right. okay. But now we got to enter in Emmanuel Sanders, we enter in Adam Troutman, who is a rookie tight end, so not you know a ton of worry there, but still, that's a guy they're going to start to implement, and then a healthy Alvin Kamara. Oh, I think yeah. that's everyone's kind of sleeping on that. Like Alvin Kamara, obviously had 81 receptions uh, last year, actually all three of his seasons. Fun fact, and hmm. he just wasn't healthy, and I think we're definitely just undervaluing that when he's healthy, and they're focusing on getting him the ball he's a hundred reception guy. I think he has Christian McCaffrey type of receiving upside out of the backfield. And so I don't think any of that bodes well for cooks, um, his target volume here in 2020. And so if you know that TD volume is definitely going to take a hit and that risk, re- that target volume reception volume is going to stay, you know, maybe in that 50 ish range. I think that drops him down from, I think he was tight end six last year, all the way down to kind of a low end tight end one, and then maybe even a fringe uh, to tight end two. So He's going into his age thirty three season. A lot of promising, you know, a promising tight end in Adam Troutman behind him. Yeah, I think tight end nine is just too rich for me, and that's his current ADP. I have him actually down at like tight end fifteen. So I am out on Jared Cooks.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a pretty good one to be out on. Uh, the, Alvin Kamara being healthy is obviously the the biggest, the biggest one there, and them actually having a wide receiver two who can catch the ball. Emmanuel Sanders is nice. Uh, But, I mean, he's going off. He's the wide receiver 9 or 8 right now, you said, right?
0: Yep, tight end.
1: So, I'm sorry, tight end, yeah. So, I mean, you have Gronk ahead of him, Evan Ingram's ahead of him, and Hunter Henry's ahead of him. And I'm taking Hayden Hurst over him. I'm taking Gasecki over him. Yes. I would take Hawkinson over him. I would take Dallas Goddard over him. I would take... Blake Jarwin over him.
0: Oh, for sure. Slam Uh, that.
1: So, I mean, you're talking that price already is – he's a tight end, too, for me, and he's going wide receiver nine. uh, I'm passing on that. Um, What brings me to my bust uh, is the current tight end 10, and this tight end actually led all players in receiving over the last five weeks. Ooh, I Robbie, know where
0: you're going now. Robbie, I know where you're going now. You say five weeks. Mm-hmm.
1: That five would be the
0: tight end is obviously one Tyler Higby.
1: Correct. Amundo. Uh, he was on fire at the end of the season, um, but you know who wasn't there? Gerald Everett. It's right. not like it's not like he died. Um, Tyler Higbee was actually the blocking tight end before Gerald um, Everett got hurt. Everett ran twice as many routes and had 19 more targets than he did. So, the entire season? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so twice as many routes. Yep. So Higby's a, a good all-around tight end, but I don't know if he's going to have the volume to, to live up to that. And you have him going right now as the tight end 10, but there's going to be some fluctuation there because after, you know, though – the tight end five with Darren Waller. I think he's Darren Waller's pretty safely as that the tight end five and your five is kind of set. You know, Higby could go as high as the tight end six or maybe even the tight end five.
0: Um, I've, I've definitely seen it. I mean, once you have those top three for sure or top four yeah. for sure off the board, right. then And it kind of is Ingram and Waller. I think basically they, they're kind of a little interchangeable. And then that next one is wide open. I've seen Higby go there. There's a lot of people that are on the Higby train and I am not one of them.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying that price for him. I, I think, you know, Cooper Cup is still there, obviously. He's he's gonna be good. Uh and they're just they're gonna be fine. Uh I at at wide receiver. At running back, you actually have Cam Akers, who's going to be a monster this year. And again, the big thing is Gerald Everett. Um they ran twelve personnel a ton two years ago. Uh I don't know how that offense is gonna look. it, it I I think Sean McVay is essentially gone back and is trying to reinvent that offense this year because of how much they struggled. Uh, So I don't know how the offense is going to look, but Gerald Everett is not going to go away and that's going to make them, you know, just enough to not be fantasy, you know, helpful in the fantasy world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think all of those split tight end rooms are just the scariest situations. When you're talking about, you know, Minnesota, the Rams, um, a couple other that I can't think of. Jack Doyle and Trey Burton a little bit there in Indianapolis. I think a lot of those situations, it's going to be a split. It's going to be split. Like you said, Evan Ingram was the guy going into it. Never really took off. He had a you know a little bit of flashes here and there. Got hurt, and so yeah. talk about
1: Gerald Everett. Sorry, you said Evan Ingram.
0: Oh yeah, yes, yes, yes. Thanks.
1: Well, I mean, they both they both get hurt a lot, so I can <laughs> exactly, see why that's right? confusing.
0: Yeah, tight ends getting hurt. Brain right. automatically goes to Evan okay. Ingram. So,
1: but with with all those guys that you just mentioned, as far as the splits, if we have an injury, then obviously those guys are going to get bumped up. Totally, totally. Um, but that's I'm not predicting. Still scary. That. No, yep. neither am I. Which is why you can't pay that draft capital to to get one of them. But again, after the top four tight ends, it's a
0: dart throw. Exactly. I think I think you hit it on the head, and that was a great finisher to our bus. We've said it all, bus on bus on bus. Tom's at Dynasty Infidel on Twitter. I'm at NFL Robbie. And thanks for listening. See ya.